What up, what up, what up? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of As Brock's Bengals Thoughts, presented to you by Impact Sports Cincinnati. My name is Chris Asbrock, and I am joined once again this week by my fellow Impact Sports Cincinnati colleague, Nick Semino. Nick, my friend, how the heck are you, buddy? For two for two weeks in a row, Chris, I could say we're doing good on a victory Monday. So I can't I can't say we could be doing much better. I mean, the city of Cincinnati is a buzz. I mean, it was really cool to watch the local news tonight, and everyone's talking about the Bengals. I mean, even the national media. So it's it's a really cool experience right now. It, dude, I tell you what, it is. This is just it's so much fun, and we're talking about a I want to say a stunning, I stunning in the way the scoreline was, but. Bengals are coming off of a 41 to 17 dominating victory over at that point, the division leading or AFC North division leading Baltimore Ravens at M&T bank stadium in front of 70,659. And I'm willing to bet that 65,000 of those plus left with a huge amount of disappointment as the Bengals really went in there. And like I said, stunningly whooped up on the Ravens. Now, Going into this week, you and I, I mean, like I said, you know, we say it every week. We always talk. At the beginning of the week, I wasn't so sure, but I'm not going to lie. And I told you, I was so busy with, you know, with soccer, I didn't get a chance to really sit back and take a look at, you know, everything coming into this game. But, you know, we both, you know, realistically coming into this game, we thought the Bengals were going to come away with a victory. And I'm pretty sure that you and I are both in the same boat that we're kind of stunned at how it actually played out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I expected a victory. I didn't expect that type of victory. I mean, the stat line, everything. I I didn't expect them to outplay them as much as they outplayed them, especially in Baltimore. I mean, this was another game where the Bengals went into halftime with the lead and came out firing in the second half. And, you know, it just – this team just they never cease to amaze me and it, it, it baffles me and we're going to talk about the the play calling here in a minute but and looking at the statistics Joe Burrow a career high day for him he was 23 of 38 416 yards three touchdowns one interception which that one interception was it was a bad play but you know we'll touch on that here in a minute but uh a longest of 82 yards Jamar Chase let's be real what more do we have to say about Jamar Chase targeted 10 times, holding eight of them for 201 yards. That's obviously a record for him. Uh, he averaged 25.1 yards per reception. His longest was the 82. T. Higgins targeted five or 15 times, holding seven, seven of those for 62 yards. Tyler Boyd uh, holding four passes on seven targets. C.J. Uzama, three for three for 91 and two touchdowns on national tight end day. My boy CJ coming away with a huge day. And Samaj P. Ryan, one for one for 23 yards. Bengals got it done uh, through the air and on the ground. Joe Mixon, 12 rushes for 59 yards. Samaj P. Ryan, 11 for 52. This was an all-around just fantastic performance by the Cincinnati Bengals. And one, I'm telling you, you gotta be you gotta be pretty happy about, it, you know, with the way it all with the way it all played out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, especially after the week before, they 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 decimate the Lions, winning thirty-four to eleven over the past two weeks. Their scores are 
75 to 28 over the past two weeks. I mean, I mean that's not the those are Kansas City Chiefs numbers. You know what I mean? It's it's unreal where they're at. I mean, it's it's simply unreal. I, they're doing things that nobody expected. I mean, Joe Burrow expected it. Jamar Chase expected it, but the fans didn't expect this. And the news guys, I mean, they obviously know a lot more what's going on, you know, obviously on the inside and how things are playing out. But this, and, you know, and we say it, and I'm, I'm telling you, this, and I, I don't know how many times I've told you this, and I've put it out there, this is not your dad's Bengals. It just is not. This was a game that we have talked about in the past. They lose this game. Oh. Flat out, they lose this game. Because you come off of a huge victory over the Detroit Lions in a game that wasn't close. This is a game they would they would normally lose on the road to Baltimore. If, if, like I told you earlier, if Marvin Lewis was coach, they lose this game 35-3, 35-10. It's not even close. And, again, nothing against Marvin Lewis. I mean, I love the guy, but his teams had that propensity to – have that letdown game. Zach Taylor, this team, I know a lot of people rip on Zach, but man, we just, you know, I think we feel a lot more different than, than a lot than I guess I don't want to say a lot of people because I think the smarter people in terms of, you know, looking at this team, I think they, they get it. But, you know, this he's got this this culture has completely changed in how they look at it. And you gotta give mad props to Zach Taylor regardless for what he's done with this team, because again, this is a game that they would have lost in the past. Oh, but absolutely. Like you were saying, I mean, just to touch on what you're saying about how this is not the old mangled. I mean, it all starts from the top down too. I mean, now that Elizabeth and Katie run this team, they want excitement. They want young players. They want free agents. They want to compete every week in and week out. And that's why we are competing week in and week out. I mean, I mean, like 75 to 28. I mean, heck, they should have beat the Packers. They should have beat the Bears. This, we could be talking 7 0 right now, Chris. Yeah. I mean, we're, again, we're, we're one. I mean, an Evan McPherson kick, for the love of God, if he makes a kick, you know, we're at worst 6 and 1, you know. But, you know, if we even remotely play better in the, the Chicago game, we're 7 and 0. The only unbeaten, or we're, what? I know Arizona's unbeaten, aren't they? Are they? I can't remember off the top of my head here. Um, but we're one of the – I mean, we're right now sitting at, atop the AFC North, and we're right now atop the, the AFC overall and as the number one seed. So, But we're not even in that discussion. We're a full-blown 7-0. and But, you know, again, we talk about it going in. We said this team could be anywhere from four wins to ten wins. I mean, realistically, we got to go five and five over the next ten games. games yeah, to have ten wins, man. Look at the schedule; that's very doable. I mean, this absolutely, team is—it's just what we're seeing from this team. And again, people in Cincinnati, I think we're tired of getting kicked around by the national media, and I think it's gotten to that point where it's kind of like we're we're seeing this, and we know what this team's about. We're seeing what this team can do, and it's kind of like, guys, like, you know, and it's almost like, damn it, we know what we're talking about here when we see our team. Absolutely. And, I mean, you could rewind a couple years back. And now, if if this was Marvin Lewis as a head coach, this is what I mean. Like, so this is obviously it's, – it's, it's off topic, but it's on topic. If Marvin Lewis would have won this game, they'd be 5-2 and two right now. Marvin Lewis would be sitting at his, at his press conference with that constant smirk on his face. 
<laughs> I, I do kind of miss that. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I really, I really do. I do miss, I, I do miss that spark. I, I, and I, like I said, like Marvin did loads for this team. He got this team where it needed to be. They're back irrelevant. He was a great coach. He should be in the ring of honor. If he's, if he's never not, I, this is this disappointment. He could have a, st- a statue in front of the Bengals stadium. And then, trust me, I would never complain. The man was a genius. He turned the organization around. But if he would have won this game, the 41 17, He'd be sitting there and talking about what everything we did right against the Ravens and everything like that. Zach Taylor, on the other hand, he gets it. Today at the press conference, he didn't even want to talk about Baltimore. He wanted to talk about the Jets and moving on to the Jets. It's a mentality. That's the Bill Belichick mentality. This week's over. Let's get it behind us. Let's go on to the next opponent. Like, like Bill Belichick always says, it's on to Cincinnati. It's on to Minnesota. Whoever. That game's over. Let's move on to the next. And that, he wants to focus on the Jets. And I'll tell you one thing. He'll be ready for the Jets. And I mean... <laughs> Now that the Jets, now that have traded now just this evening, traded for Joe Flacco, it'll be an interesting uh, game this coming Sunday. When you sent me that text, I was like, I, I legit thought you were full of crap. I'm not kidding. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I saw that come through. I saw that come through on Roto World there, and I was like, Are you serious? But I've done, I've actually done some reading since then, prepared for you here tonight, and that the New York Post reports that Flacco will not start this weekend, and Mike White will start, and that Joe Black and Flacco will back him up for one week. And then obviously going forward, Black Hole would become the starter, but they do still expect Mike White to start on Sunday. Well, I like that. That coming from the post, that's actually that's the main outlet for the uh, the Jets. So I'm 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 trying to get some sort of relevance with that. I'm hoping I'm hoping so. I mean, I mean, you would you would like to think so, you know? It's kind of like, I mean, but again, this you know, the, like I said, the total culture change in this team. I mean, you just look at what this defense, and again, I. I know I've been, you know, full-blown tooting the horn of, you know, the the defense and and Lou Anarumo, what this guy – I think – and I, I mean, I've, I know I've said it up, just blue in the face. I've always thought he was a much better coach than what people were giving him credit for. If you look at what Lou Anarumo had to deal with over the last couple years, I mean, let's be real. He was facing, or he was faced with a couple guys who didn't want to be here. They were done, and those guys are now out of here. So they had the negative voice in the locker room. He was dealing with those guys. He was dealing with guys who were just down injured, a depleted defense. And now look at him. This defense is on the verge of being an elite defense in the NFL. They're a damn good defense in the NFL right now. They're on the verge of being elite. And just think. There's still guys that we don't even have playing right now. Oh. Joseph Osai. Imagine if Osai was playing right now with this team. My God. I mean, but you're bringing in guys who have the reputation, who want to win. They want to change that culture. Trey Hendrickson. Who would have thought Trey Hendrickson would have been where he is now? I mean, I was fine with the Carl, with them getting rid of Carl Lawson. I was fine with that because I, I, I know you weren't as happy bringing in Trey Hendrickson as I was, but – I mean, you were thrilled. Don't get me wrong. You're like, okay, that's a good replacement, but he has to step up oh, and play. And now, yeah, that was your thing. You were the one you said. I mean, you like it, but you're gonna like it more if he can step up and play. Like, and like, I, said, and like I said, the more I read it, the more I read about him, the more I actually did like him. I mean, he really is a he's he's a he's a he epitomizes what the Bengals are all about, especially what Andrew was about. He's a high motor guy. He's constantly on the ground, and I mean. And let's be honest. I mean, Sam Hubbard was quiet last year. He's made Sam Hubbard a better player. And, and Sam Hubbard had two and a half sacks yesterday. He he plays a lot more determined now. And I mean, I just think he 
they, they, they click with each other. And I mean, as much as you would not, you don't want to say it. And we're probably one of the very few teams in the NFL. And I mean, you probably could look it up. How many teams in the NFL have two white defensive ends? Oh, well, that's, I mean, you, you know don't see I mean? it too often. Yeah, you don't see it too often. And, no. and what I love is, like you said, the motor factor of these two guys is just, I mean, Trey Hendrickson, I mean, like I said, I like Carl Lawson. I did. But, dude, go get that money. If that's what you want, go get it. We'll bring in Trey Hendrickson. And the dude, it changes that entire culture. Larry Ogunjobi, my goodness gracious, this guy has completely changed this defensive line. And don't get me wrong, it was a it was a solid defensive line before. When you when you you know when you add in DJ Reader, I Cam Sample. Well, I mean I'm just talking about guys now because um, Sample was a rookie. But I mean you add an like a Larry Ogunjobi to this defensive line. Oh my goodness, with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. I, I mean just this is just an incredible defense. Logan Wilson, phenomenal. And then you've got your, I mean, safeties, you know, Jesse Bates and Von Bell. We know what you're getting from them. Awuzier, I mean, dude, I, I love from from DBU, man, Colorado. It's my boy. He's your guy, I mean. And, I mean, just speaking of, speaking of him, he actually has an 81.5 BFF score. That is the third highest ranking for any cornerback in the NFL right now. Think about that. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I, and I, I thought I heard somebody say Jesse Bates only scored like a 30-something yesterday. But, again, it wasn't that big of a deal because I heard somebody – I forget, it might have been on um, Local 12, like the um, the Skinny's podcast, talking about, you know, you didn't notice him. And that's a good thing. Jesse Bates, I mean, he ended up with a total of seven tackles combined, uh, four solo, three assisted. And the dude was, I mean, he graded, I guess, that low. I mean, incredible. I mean, this was just an overall dominating performance by the defense where, again, you're facing Lamar Jackson who and, – and this is what does drive me nuts. And I think it was, it was totally overblown. And exactly what, you know, we had talked about last week when it came out was the whole Logan Wilson comment about it's a – Lamar Jackson's a running back who plays quarterback. That's exactly what he is. Well, that was meant with no disrespect at all. None. To me, that's a compliment to Lamar Jackson, but the Ravens took it however they wanted, which is fine. It's, if you want to take that as bulletin board material, then by all means do it. But that's not – I mean, Lamar Jackson led the Ravens in rushing by 74 yards. And he, so, does, that, and he does that by choice. Exactly. If you're going to constantly run the football, that means you feel you're the best option to run the football. And hey, you know what? He is. He's the best option. He's the best athlete on the field. Let's be honest. He's better than any athlete we have on our team. Uh, uh, well, maybe aside of, of, of Jabbar Chase, but um, yeah. he's definitely the best athlete on the field at most times when he plays most teams. So like I said, it was no insult. He's a, he's a heck of a runner. I mean, most teams have trouble teams, you know, trouble gobbling him up. We had a couple of plays he definitely got away from us, but for the most part, we contained him very well. Sacked him five times. That's a career high. He's never been sacked five times in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, so but, I mean, he might know, have but, once by Pittsburgh, I think. But, but now that you're talking about defense, okay, and I, I want to get back to like the free agency moves and how you obviously you touched on Carl Lawson here, who we replaced with um, obviously with Trey Hendrickson. 
And obviously Carl Lawson, it's not a fair example this year because um, Carl Lawson is out for the season. So, um, yeah, obviously, obviously we won't see him on Sunday, which probably is a good thing. But um, we replaced him with Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson has a 70.5 PFF score, which is amazing. Um, the other big loss we took in free agency was obviously we all we saw William Jackson walking. William Jackson, I mean, we, we lost him, by, you know, because he wanted $14 million a year. And we got two guys. William Jackson's PFF score this year, 46.8. We replaced, him, we replaced him with Chinny, 81.5. We replaced him with Mike Hillen, 62.5. And we also replaced him with Eli Apple. Eli Apple, who's our third corner, scores a 50.7. He's higher than William Jackson right now. Which, you know, it was really funny. We talked about it. I even said I was on the screw you William Jackson train after he came out and was basically bad mouth from the Bengals. Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, you know what? At that he bad point, mouth him to give him the fourteen million. We went out and signed two other guys. He was upset, but it's like he—he's not—he's not a shutdown corner. It's being—it's being shown them now. So I was being being a made an example of it. So he played—he played above his—he overperformed. If that's—I mean—in in all reality, and I'll say it. I mean, I think he overperformed. He's not as good as he thinks he is, and he's not as good as you know as. I'll just say basically as people think he is. He's not. And it's showing that. As we've get, we're bringing in guys, Awuzie, who, like I said, is an absolute stud. Uh, Mike Hilton has been nothing short of phenomenal. And Eli Apple, who, let's be real, isn't one of the – isn't the best corner. But the dude's got first-round talent, and he's been playing well as of late. So He, he had a low score right now with a 50.7. And if you look at it, it's all because of week one against the Bears. Since then, his scores have gotten better and better and better. He had one bad week. We all know it. <laughs> There's that one drive, he gave up three bad plays. We all saw it, everything like that. But since then, he has become a very reliable corner. And he said he, he does nothing but commend Anna Rumo for making a better, better corner again. So, I mean, good on us. I mean, like, we're, we've turned his career around for him, honestly. And, and I love the fact of it. I think he's out there every week. I mean, he had to replace Trey Waynes, you know, in, in a pinch. And he's done a great job. Let's be honest. We're paying him a lot less money than Trey Wayne's, and he's doing a heck of a job. Hey, bingo. And, I mean, these are guys that, you know, you bring in to change that culture, and look what it's done. You know, this team believes, which is dangerous. Anytime you get a team that believes that they can win and they're getting the victories to go along with it, it's a very dangerous situation. Absolutely. And that's what, and not, that's and what I could be looking at here. And not to mention, we still have Trey Flowers sitting on the bench right now. Yeah, think about that. I mean, that is, you know. That's, that's a five-year starter from Seattle. He started every year. He pretty much started every game of his career. And he's sitting he on the He ended up with a tackle yesterday. So, I mean, he, yeah. he made it on the score sheet. So, there we go. But yes. you, you know, and looking at the individual statistics here, again, Lamar Jackson, you know, he was 15 to 31 for 257 yards. The Bengals overall gave up, let's see, 393 total net yards. That di- it didn't feel like it though. No, it not did at all. not feel like Lamar Jackson had 88 yards rushing and 257 yards passing. It didn't feel like a game where Lamar Jackson was. I, I don't want to say a dominant because he wasn't dominant by any means, but you know it just wasn't a game. It didn't feel like the Bengals gave up that much really overall in this game. It, it just didn't. Like that's I, think about it. I mean, they were they're up thirteen ten at halftime. They go into half with a lead. They come out after half, and Lamar leads them down three plays. 
then they hit the they hit the deep bomb to uh, Marquis uh, Marquis Brown there, uh, Hollywood Brown. He hits the deep bomb to him, which still honestly, if I look at that again, I still don't think it's a touchdown. I think he's bobbling when he's on the goal line, but Paranor there. But um, he scores it, and they don't score after that. That was the last score we gave up. The first score of that second drive, they don't give up one other touchdown after that. I, I think of that. I mean, it was literally. This was, I mean, the Bengals were up three nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then it was, you know, they each team scored ten points in the second quarter, so the Bengals were up thirteen to ten. After that, they outscored them twenty eight to seven in that second half. I mean, this was just a game where the Bengals really, and again, that that pass to Hollywood Brown, that was a sick throw, beautiful catch. I mean, I'm going to disagree. I think he did get it. I think he got it in. But, man, I mean, regardless, even if he caught it or not, I don't really care. It was an incredible catch by Hollywood Brown on that one. And just, I mean, a game to where, again, the Bengals, they came in, they were believing, and they had this plan that they were, you know, they weren't going to let the the Ravens beat them in, in the aspect. And let's be real, the Ravens aren't, they're they're they've got three studs really on that team, Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, and, or no, not Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown's not. A, I mean, he's a stud. Don't get me wrong, but he's not one of the guys. I would say Andrews, and I would say Marlon Humphrey on the in the in this on the defense. Those are the three guys that are really the main three guys on that team. I mean. Hollywood Brown's good. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, you got Patrick Queen on defense. He's good. But, again, nothing overly, you know. Uh, Calais Campbell is a, is a stud. But outside, he I mean. He was back in his heyday. I don't, I don't, I mean, he's still good. But he's not the player he not, used to be. He's not the player yeah, he used exactly. to be. Like, I don't, I don't fear him like I did. I mean, there was a couple of plays yesterday that, I mean, the dude continued to be a pain. But overall. I mean, I didn't like, I didn't fear him, you know, like I, you know, like in years past, I guess you could say, but again, the Ravens just aren't, they're not as, as loaded as they have been in years past. And Lamar Jackson really outside of Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews doesn't really have that much to throw to his, his options. They did get, they finally did get back Rashad Bateman yesterday from injury reserve. He's been on injury reserve most of the season until yesterday. Um, he's he from was good. He, I mean, he had three receptions for 80 yards. I mean, he's from the, he's from the University of Minnesota. He's, he's a yeah. really decent player. He's a good, he's a good writer here. And I think the more time he gets, I think the better he'll be. I think he's a good compliment to Marquise Brown. I think together, I think they'll be a, a good duo wide receivers. Um, oh, they'll be a great one too. I, yeah, I have no doubt with that. Do yeah, I think a good one too. they're never going to be able I mean, unfortunately, I mean, in this division, you're never, I mean, even, I don't care. I mean, they said, I mean, we're, we're going to be biased here, but Pittsburgh, Baltimore, or Cleveland. You're never going to be able to put two receivers on the field that are going to be able to compete with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. I don't, I don't care who you draft right now. Those three guys right there, that, that is tough to get. I don't, we, we, we've talked about it before. How many teams in the NFL can match that? I, I, I honestly could say probably Dallas is probably the only team, or may, and maybe Tampa Bay. I mean, there was only five guys targeted yesterday Yeah, for – for the Bengals on offense or through the passing game. Yeah. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. So there's your three big guys CJ Uzama and Samaj P. Ryan. And, you know, and, we, and we, we keep coming back to Tyler Boyd. And I know we're starting to, he's starting to become, 
become a guy who's literally the lost soul on this team. But once again, he was targeted seven times. I mean, T. Higgins was targeted 15 times. Yeah, 15 times. That that was five more than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase holding eight for 201 yards. Jamar Chase doesn't drop his passes. He catches every one of them. He, um, the one, the one he did miss. Yes, that was uh, that was the interception there, but that wasn't his fault. That was a forced throw. Um, oh, that was awful. Like, it and, was bad. And the other one he missed. Well, the other one he missed was actually was almost like a shoelace catch. It was way too low for him. So the two he missed actually weren't even his fault. T. Higgins, I mean, targeted seven, 15 times. You know, seven catches. I mean, I mean, yeah, he, obviously, Jamar's his two hundred one yards definitely get inflated because of the eighty two yard catch. But I mean. Um, other than I mean, T. Higgins, T. Higgins is slowly but surely getting himself back in this. I and this is I'm gonna say it right now. I expect a huge week this week for T. Higgins against the Jets. I really do. I think he's gonna have a breakout of the week. I think it's gonna be his best game of the year. I really hope so. Um, Tyler Boyd, I mean, like I said, he, he's reliable. He's always there. I mean, he got seven. He got seven targets. Jamar Chase got ten. Every week they're very very close. It's just that Jamar Ch- Chase has the splash plays, and Jamar and Tyler Boyd. That's not his role. You know what I mean? That's the one. That's the one thing that's not his role anymore. I think it never and it never has been. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean that's you know, and that, that's huge there. I mean, and again, they talk about that chemistry that they have, you know, from you know from their time in college, which was you know absolutely incredible. And you know, Burrow, you know, he's he's admitted he's come out and admitted it. Like, hey, you know, we there is something there between them, just simply because of you know they, that time they spent. I mean, 35 catches, 754 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, he's he's second in the NFL with 754 yards. Could you imagine where he would be if he was getting the amount of receptions that these other guys are getting? He's got 35, which is tied for 24th in the NFL. That's a (laughs) – think about that. (laughs) I mean, just – I mean, you you really have to think about that. Where he could truly be. If he was getting the same amount of targets, I mean, it, it's 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 uncanny to think about. It. I mean, how how good he truly is. I mean, you can look at it. I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to pull someone else up right now. I'm trying to get this over going along here because you know a lot of you know we we took a lot of slack for you know I mean, do we take Sewell? Do we not take Sewell? I mean, do we take someone else? Okay, someone else who was drafted right there around you know right around our guy is Jalen Waddle from the University of Alabama. He has the 44 receptions. So he actually had nine more receptions than Jamar Chase for this year. But he has 384 yards, and he only has three touchdowns. I mean, it's not even close. you need to know. Yeah, and exactly. It's not even close. And then you look at the one other one here. I want to, I want to pull up his stats real fast, too. Here, you know, who we're speaking up here is uh, Devontae Smith is the other one who was drafted right up there. Devontae Smith on the season has – he has 32 receptions, so he's just just three shy of um, Jamar, but he only has 406 yards and he only has one touchdown. So it's uncanny, I mean, how much better he truly was than these two other guys who were during the draft. were saying that they could possibly be better than him. It's, it's obviously that he they're truly not better than him. It's not even close. And I mean, could you imagine Devontae Smith won the Heisman Trophy this past year? Well, that like two years ago, and Jamar Chase didn't even play. I know. And hey, look at the stats real quick for me for Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle, Kyle Pitts get better week to week. Kyle Pitts is trying to be good. I was going to say, because I was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was on board with Chase. I mean, you know, I was, but 
Yeah, I, I was on I was on Kyle Pitts. I was on his train. I really was because I thought he'd be a little bit more of a game changer. But again, he plays for the Falcons, so he had a monster um, game on Sunday. He had seven receptions for a buck sixty three on Sunday. There we go. That's that's and pretty darn good. For the season, he now had 31 receptions. So he's right around Chase and right around Devontae Smith. Okay. Um, he has 471 yards. Okay. And he has one TD. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, I was still – I was but, definitely... I mean, he, but, it's, but it's all because of the past two weeks because two weeks against Tampa Bay, he had six receptions for 73 yards. Against the Giants, he went three for 35. The Washington, nine for 50. And now he's gotten better and better. Nine for fifty against Washington. Against the Jets, he went ten for a buck nineteen, and then for against Miami, he went eight for a buck sixty-three. So they are slowly but surely realizing how much how talented he is. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons I think. And again, I have always been on the the CJ Uzama is better than people say, but Kyle Pitts is better than CJ Uzama. That was my mentality. Um, I mean, I don't want to say I'm wrong. Because you know, over time, you know, let's see how it plays out. I mean, so I think I said, I, you're, I'm not the biggest uh, supporter of uh, CDUs. I, I'm 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 starting to come around now, though, because I mean, the way he's played to pay the the past three weeks, is he as talented as like like you said? Is he as talented as Kyle Pitts? No. no is he as no. talented as he's talented as Kittle, Kelsey, guys like that? Of course not. He's not as talented, but he runs our system impeccable, and he knows it. And that's why he's so good at it. And that's why he looks good week after week because he knows our system in and out. He's an unselfish player, which is what this team's all about. He's extremely unselfish. He does whatever he has to do. He can have no catches during the game, and that guy would never complain. And and I think and I when I when I when I look back at my love for Kyle Pitts at that, and like I said, I was one of the few that was on the Kyle Pitts train during the draft. Um, but again, like I said, I was, I was pits or chase. That's really how I was. I was more pits just because I think he would, I think he's, you know, he would be a bigger game changer for the Bengals offense. But I mean, I'll admit that I was wrong. I didn't, I didn't foresee Jamar chase being this good. I knew he was going to be good. Don't get me wrong. That's why I liked him. I didn't think he would be this freaking good. Um, had I foreseen that I would have been totally, a thousand percent Jamar Chase and maybe point oh one Kyle Pitts and definitely negative one for Panay Sewell, but because I never wanted Sewell. But man, I tell you what, and you know, in a side note, speaking of the culture change, that eighty-two yard touchdown pass, the the part that really got me and it made me just smile and it made me realize that okay, this team certainly has changed their mentality was if you notice, after he had put the Ravens' defense on the spin cycle, especially Marlon Humphrey there, and spun out and took off, which, side note, which was absolutely incredible because he had to re-accelerate to get to that speed and pull away from those guys. Think about that. That was incredible. So, after he did that, if you see – once you see him pulling away down the sideline, you look on the Bengals' sideline, I don't know who it was – was running down there, cheering them on as they're going down the sideline for the touchdown. That was the point that I realized, okay, this culture has completely changed. Well, and like you said, look, 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 look
touchdown. But last week, one Mixon has that that touchdown catch where he goes fifty yards. Who's leading the way and doing the block? Jamar Chase. Exactly. That's who he is. And that's who he is, and then he's he's he epitomizes it. And you just. He's like Joe Burrow. These, these guys just want to win now. That's all they want to do. I mean, they'll do whatever they need to do to win. They will. And it's uh, cool. The, the quote from yesterday uh, from Joe Burrow, he go, you know, talking about his chemistry with, with Jamar Chase. He goes, we have a lot of reps accumulated over the last three or four years. We've been together for a long time. I've been dealing with him on Saturdays since I was 21 years old. So that's what happens when you get all those reps accumulated. You understand the kinds of throws against leverage. You know what they're – you know they're, they were playing on top and press. So that's what opened up the back shoulder balls today. And we've thrown back shoulders for the last three years and thrown them over and over again. And that's what it takes to feel confident in those kind of throws. It's just reps and reps and reps. And that – I tell you what, those two on those, on those back shoulder balls – Absolutely incredible. I mean, it is amazing to watch their chemistry. It really, truly is. And that's one thing that, you know, people were saying, you know, with Jamar Chase is, you know, see what he can do with Joe Burrow. I mean, these guys have been together for a couple years. We know what they can do. We saw what they can do in the national championship. And, man, I'll be damned if it ain't coming to fruition now in the first seven games of this NFL season. It's just just amazing. amazing. I think, like you said, we talk about it all the time. It's amazing what one guy truly did to the organization. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I mean, if we would, you know, obviously everybody we had the team Sewell team change thing. Sewell was never going to give you the dynamic that he's giving. He's he gives excitement. He gives you splash plays. He's giving a score. I mean, we're five and two because of him. And I mean, as as much you don't say one guy wins the game, he's put us in position to win every one of these games, and it's all because of him. And it's it's amazing because. I, without him this year, without him on a team this year, what do you think our record is without Jamar Chase? Oh, man. If we had taken that's – that, that, that's, a, that's a poll that we should put out on Twitter is that what would their record be right now if they didn't have him? I mean, oh, I would say maybe one or two wins. Because I think – I mean, oh, man. I mean, Panay Sewell, I, I mean, who's to say, I mean, against some of the defenses that the Bengals have faced so far, I mean, who's to say Panay Sewell doesn't get absolutely lit up by – Which he has been but in Detroit. I mean, it's – like I said, I mean, I think without him right now, I, I say without Chase through seven games, we're three and four. Maybe maybe two and five, maybe. He's that much yeah. of a difference maker. I completely agree. Because it's just it, it just that dynamic, and he takes the the top off the defense, and it doesn't matter who's covering him. I mean, Marlon hum, Marlon Humphrey is he's the hands down one of the best corners in the game. I mean, he is. Marlon Humphrey is an absolute stud of a corner, and he traveled with Jamar Chase throughout the game and was on him. Yep. But Jamar Chase, I mean, it's dude goes for the tune of two hundred and one and one touchdown. And that one yep. touchdown was an 80-yard or an 82-yard touchdown reception where he catches a quick slant for a first down, which is what Zach Taylor was like, we're just going for the first down there. And then the dude accelerator, like, puts Marlon Humphrey in a spin cycle, takes off and reaccelerates and takes it, you know, to a house call. I yep. mean, that 
It's we, incredible. And we move on this week to the New York Jets, okay? The New York Jets' two starting cornerbacks are Brandon Elois and Bryce Hall. I mean, now, I don't want to be one of those people, but these dudes are probably – they're set to be abused. I mean, I mean and even their backups, Javelin Gidry and Michael Carter II. I mean, they're, don't get me wrong. Their safety, Marcus May, is a beast. He's a great safety. I have nothing but positive things to say about Marcus May. Great safety. Um, yeah. His, his counterpart, Matt, Ashton Davis, is a young guy, but he's also a good safety. But Bryce Holland and, and Brandon uh, Ecolas there, are going to get abused. I mean, they're going to get abused all day, all day. It's, I mean, the Jets. I mean, I feel bad for the Jets. I mean, Zach Wilson just went down with a PCL injury. I, I mean, you just, you feel bad for him. I mean, my goodness, they're, they're one and five on the season. You know, they just got blown out 54 to 13 to New England. And now here come the Bengals into the Meadowlands, you know, into MetLife Stadium. And, yep. Riding high on a team that, again, with a nasty, nasty defense and, you know, an offense right now that is clicking, especially in the second half. And let's get to that part. And I, I and I remember you saying it the other day to me on the phone. It made me chuckle. You were like, if imagine if we had Marvin Lewis for the first half and Zach Taylor coaching the second half. We'd be unbeatable. This team would be un- yeah, we'd be unstoppable. Nobody could stop this team. Marvin, because Marvin, Marvin Lewis, his MO was let's first. get the lead. Yep. And, and then we're going to play not to lose in the second half. Where you got Zach Taylor who's just like, yeah, we're just going to run it on every down until it gets the last minute of the half. And then we air it out. And then we come out guns a-blazing in the second half. Now, you know, it's kind of like, okay, but – Imagine, I mean, it's just, it's kind of when you, when you get to that part of the game, you kind of, you just, you kind of wonder what the heck, I mean, like what's going on here? You know, it's, it just, it kind of, it kind of baffles me. I I think, I think like I said, most reporters, and like you said, you, you said, you've heard that he's trying to feel out the defense. And honestly, that's the only thing I could think of. He's trying to feel out the defense, see how they're going to play us and see what they're going to do. He's just trying to see what their, their whole MO is going to be against us for today. That's the only thing that makes sense because other than that, I mean, if he was to open it up like he does in the second half, I, I think the reason he doesn't do that, I think he waits for the second half because, I mean, he doesn't want other teams to open it up either, you know, right off the bat too, so we don't get into like a, you know, it's a, really, it's a, a passing battle. But, I mean, I think that's what he's waiting. I think he just he wants to play it out. But, I mean, I think most teams are starting to figure out that's what our MO is now. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's kind of one of those things to where it's, well, it's like, all right, we know the second half is going to be an absolute battle, but – I mean, again, if that's what they're if, – if that's truly what he's doing, and obviously he's not going to come out and say it. I mean, he's not going to give away exactly. But if that's what he's doing in terms of feeling out the defense and seeing how the game is going to go, then okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I think – because you're looking at – usually in most games you get about six drives per half. It's usually how it plays out. Because, you know, most drives will go anywhere from, well, he can go a three and out. But anywhere from three to at tops ten plays usually is how it is. So you're taking a good chunk of time off the clock. And depending on how your defense is doing, I mean, you're, again, you're looking at about six drives per half. Yep. So, you know, if you're starting off, I mean, you 
let's you know let's in the the ball possession and drive chart from yesterday. Bengals start off eight plays, thirty six yards. They end up punting. Then they get the ball back off of another punt after they forced Baltimore to punt. Eight play, twenty three yards. Ends up in a field goal. So they're up three nothing there. And then they end up going on a three and out, three plays, four yards. They end up punting. So that ends their quarter. So they've had three drives in the first quarter. The second quarter had another three and out where they went three uh, three plays for nine yards and ended up punting. Bengals get the ball back on a punt. And then they go two plays, 64 yards for a touchdown. But that was a that was that 55-yard uh, touchdown pass to C.J. Uzama right before the um, – or no, I shouldn't say right before the end of the half. But, I mean, it was only a 37-second possession for the Bengals. Um, so, I mean, you look at that, and then they go in the 10-play 63-yard drive that ended up literally right before the end of the half that ended up with three seconds left. So the Bengals had the ball in the second quarter with and got rid of it at, at the 11:42 mark at the 629 mark. And then the three second mark after the field goal. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, so you're getting three drives, but the Bengals put together four or um, well, all the drives ended up in a, in a kick regardless of a punt or a, uh, or a kick. So that's good. That's what you want. You don't want any turnovers, but three of those, so three of the six were scoring drives. So at that point, the Bengals, but the scoring drives were two field goals and a touchdown. Now that's 13 points going into half. I mean, you would like for that 10 play 63 yard drive to culminate in a little more than just a field goal, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go down the field, 10 plays, 63 yards, and that only took – I mean, that 63-yard drive – or 63 yards over the 10 plays took a minute and 48. So that took – no. I mean, that was very little time to go 10 plays and 63 yards. And the majority of those were on that um, – were on a beautiful pass to um, Jamar Chase where he caught that slant, cut it across over the middle, and then leapfrogged the guy – and then went out of bounds. So then, you know, that was a big play by him. But still, you're looking at, you know, a situation to where three plays a quarter or three drives a quarter. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with filling out a team if it's going to take three drives, maybe, you know, maybe take a quarter and go about it that way. But it's been like that in every game. I mean, it's, but then the Bengals, you look at the second half, their drives were a touchdown, touchdown, interception, touchdown, touchdown, punt, and downs. The last two drives were garbage time where they were just trying to kill off the clock. So I what don't really count what, those what, two. And what hurts is we're five and two. And honestly, the fact that we've been starting off slow really hasn't hurt us in every any, any game except for the Chicago game. Because the Chicago game, we were outscored in the first half seven to nothing. We never scored. And then at the third quarter, we only scored a field goal. So we didn't score our 14 points till the fourth quarter. So that is the only game where it did come back to bite us that we didn't score at all during the first half because, because we did, we started off so slow. And then we didn't, we didn't, we didn't accumulate enough in the second half to come back. So that right there alone, that game right there, if we started off quicker, we win that game. 
And two, and that was that I mean that was Joe Burrow. That was him. He just had an awful game that day. Oh, that was definitely by far his worst game of the season. 19 of 30, 270 yards, two TDs, which he switched we which we got in the fourth quarter, and three yeah. interceptions. Three interceptions and three consecutive passes. Yeah. And that and that and one of those was a pick six. Yep. So, you know, with that being the case, you know, you really put your team behind the eight ball. And, you know, again, that's not gonna happen too many times. Let's be real. You know, Joe Burrow is just not that kind of quarterback. But it's, you know, this was a situation where, the, you know, the Bengals overall, you know, that second half, and I, I, I have to give them credit because here's the thing. When the Ravens took the lead at 17-13 after, you know, the Bengals had got the ball and, you know, Baltimore takes that opening drive and they go right down the field, the three-play 75-yard drive which was that touchdown pass to Marquise Brown. And and it was just the way it was – like I said, it was a beautiful catch, touchdown pass. And it was kind of like, oh, crap. You know, as a Bengals fan, you're kind of, you know, conditioned to feel like, oh, ruh here goes the game. And at some points it kind of felt like that, but then the Bengals took it right over. And they went right down and scored – right on their own as well and that changed the entire dynamic of that of that as well so you know after you give up that touchdown to uh marquise brown the 39 yard touchdown pass you get the the touchdown pass to cj uzama for his second of the game the Bengals retake the lead on a four play 75 yard drive i mean count me in if that's how you're going to respond Count me in all day, every day, and then right from then on, it was it wasn't even close. Well, 20, Twenty-eight points scored in that second half. It was just, it was they they opened up like with the all like they do week after week, and they they look unstoppable in second half. So they really do, and I mean, it's it's tough. We're tough to stop, and I mean that's, that's why I think that's why most of us would love to see it all game long. You know what I mean? But you know, hey, it's working right now. It's working right now, and you know, obviously we we move out to play the Jets next this week. Who? Right now, are one in five, like one in six. They've only won two one game so far. Um, obviously, these are these are games where it's you know you could it could scare you because obviously this is the game before we play Cleveland before we go into our bye. Um, we you know hopefully you know we're not seeing. I mean, but Zach Taylor's not the type of guy that's going to look past um, the Jets. They're already focused on him, and I mean honestly, I mean this is a game we should literally go in and we should dominate from the start. I, I don't see. I don't see anything where I mean that they have anybody that's going to compete with us. I think we should go in. We should handle ourselves. I mean, and do what we did to Detroit. Get him out. Just going to say this has to be like the Detroit game. Yeah, yeah. You have to get ahead of him early. You can't keep him in the game because you give it to a team like that. Hope they're going to you're going to keep him around here, and then they're going to be you know what? Then they're dangerous. We have to do what we did to Detroit. Dominate him. Focus. Put him behind, and that's it. That's what you got to do. Bingo. And you do something like that, and that again that takes all the wind out of their sails. And it's kind of one of those situations where you're like, oh, crap, here we go again. And yep. that's, you know, and that's, you know, and that's how it should play out. And, you know, you see the, you know, the 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 plays by C.J. Uzama. And I have to say one thing real quick is Joe Burrow, the way his pocket presence is, is it's amazing right now at this point in time. You see Joe Burrow in the pocket and you you, you watch him. And it was on the first pass to C.J. Uzama to where he's getting pressure. And let's be real. 
Baltimore, Baltimore got some pressure on Joe Burrow. They did. They were making it uncomfortable for him in the, in the first half. But Joe Burrow stepped up and made plays when he had to in terms of avoiding the pressure. And he Absolutely. slid around in the pocket and, and, you know, and moved up and then fired that pass to C.J. Uzama for the touchdown. That was gorgeous. I mean, that kind of play was incredible. And I, and I have to give credit to Drew Sample who made the play and, yep. and made the block on um, uh, what's his face? Um, Calais Campbell. Yeah. Calais Campbell. Yep. Um, I can't believe I blacked out on his name on Calais Campbell to make that play even happen. Yep. And then the second, you know, the second uh, thing I want to say about the, with the, uh, with Joe Burrow was the little pump fake he did on the other pass to CJ Uzama. He did a quick pump out to, and look, I can't remember who the receiver was out on the right, but it kind Higgins. of – it was at Higgins, I want to say. Higgins, uh, yeah, Higgins, yeah. Just a quick pump and then fired it straight to Uzama for the on, you know, for that second touchdown pass. It's those little things right there and his movement in the pocket. Man, it just – it makes me – it just makes me smile watching Joe Burrow. And I, I just – you know, it's it's truly incredible. It is truly incredible watching him do his magic and, and it's, I mean, wow. I mean, plain and simple. Wow. Of, and, of and, he's only, and he's only now played officially 17 games in the NFL. There we go. And he's faced Baltimore for the second time. And he has faced um, Pittsburgh for the second time. And both times he did a much, much better job than in the first he's, time. He's one and one against each one of those teams. Exactly. And he's got Cleveland up next. Yep. To where, and you know, I shouldn't say up next after after the Jets, but yeah, the Jets, yeah. you know, but he had a solid game in that first one too, where he was he chucked it what sixty plus times in that game against Cleveland on Thursday yeah, we, night football. Yeah, we lost that game just because it was it was a high scoring bet on our defense was a lot weaker then, but I mean I expect our defense to play a lot better than we did in that game. Oh, every bit. Again, you know, touching on it defensively real quick, uh, before we as we start to wrap this up, again. Bengals gave up 393 total net yards, 115 net yards rushing. Again, the majority of those were to Lamar Jackson. So, okay, I'm fine with that. Gave up 290 or 278 net yards passing. That is obviously including the sacks. Um, they were, let's see, they uh, forced Baltimore to punt six times for 44 yards. They went for it on fourth down four times and only converted one of those on third down. The Bengals held Baltimore to five of 16 for a 31.3%, you know, conversion rate on that. Again, total domination there by the Bengals defensively in a game that again, and then you flip it over to the offense, the Bengals, let's be real Baltimore. They blitz their balls off. And you never know what you're going to get from from Wink Martindale. And, man, I'll be damned if the Bengals didn't do a phenomenal job of handling that, you know, just what was coming at them from Baltimore. I've got to – I mean, you got to give the Bengals credit for that. I mean, just a great job of handling that pressure defensively. Absolutely, The defense has definitely played amazing, and, I mean – They've played seven games so far this year. We've only given up one 100-yard rusher all season. That was Aaron Jones, um, who had 100 – who actually only had 
103. So he just he just got over the he got over just got over the century mark, which was 14 carries for 103 yards. But think about it this way: so he had 103 yards rushing. The only reason he gets that 103 yards rushing is because he had a 57 yard rush because we had missed tackles on that play. So if you think if he, we don't give up that one play that one play to him, we don't give a 100 yard rush to that team as well either. That's amazing. I mean, that's incredible right there. The, the deep the defense is definitely is amazing. I mean. It's a lot better than most most of the pundits in the end. You know, the, the, the people think our defense is a top five defense right now. We're playing uh, amazingly out of our minds. We're we're definitely well prepared. We're always well coached. Um, hats off to Luana Romo. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season. Honestly, I look, we move on to the Jets this week. Um, definitely will look present to pass the Jets. They're well coached. They have a lot, a lot of young players. And obviously, they're where they're where we are. They're where we are two years ago. They're a rebuild right now. They're they got a new quarterback. They're getting everything situated. This is a game you got to go in, put your foot on their throat, and get the game over early. But it'll, I mean, like I said, the Jets, the Jets are they're a bunch of professionals. I mean, they're going to come to play. It's their house. I expect them to play well, and I mean, it'll be a good game. But I mean, I think this is another game where we should probably come out on top, Chris. I would have to agree. And if, in real quick, uh, there's a couple things I really want to touch on real fast before we before we wrap it up. But again, I always look at the ten longest plays for each team. The Bengals' ten longest plays, all of them were over twenty yards. So, okay, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge, uh, huge accomplishment there. Every single play in the top 10 were over 20 yards. You look at, on the flip side to Baltimore, four of them were below 20 yards. One of them was exactly 20 yards. So that means five of them were over 20. You had one for 20, 19, 18, 16, and 13. Those are your five lowest. Okay. The top three plays, longest plays for Baltimore, were all on the same drive in the third quarter. That was the touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. Yep. And then two long passes to Rashard Bateman. Okay, yep. 35 yards and 25 yards. Yep, same drive. Yep, same drive. Yep. Same drive. Other than that, the first quarter, two plays in the first quarter, and then once in the fourth quarter, and that was a um, a pass to uh, Hollywood Brown in the – that was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was on a first and 20, and they got it for 13 yards. The rest of them were all in the second quarter. So, again, the Bengals, when it mattered most, did not give up the big play. Outside of the one drive in the second half, which resulted in that, and that was that dominating touchdown drive that Baltimore put together to start off the second half. After that, it was nothing. It was all at the beginning of the game, and the Bengals were up 10 – or they were up 13-10. So at that point, you're going into that, you know, giving up your worst, you know, your worst, you know, 10 plays. The majority of those are in the first half. Count me in all day, every day when six of those 10 are in the first half and you're up going into the half. I'll take that. I'll, you know, I'll take that every single day. Absolutely. And then real quick, the line, you know, again, the possession detail of this game, this is the last part, like I said before, I want to, uh, before we wrap it up overall in the game, the largest lead was the Bengals, uh, twenty-four. The longest or the largest lead for uh, Baltimore was four points, and that was at the the seventeen thirteen mark. Um, you know, early on in the second half, uh, right after Baltimore took the lead, the Bengals had seven drives leading the game. Baltimore had none. Time of possession while leading, fourteen minutes and twenty-nine seconds. Baltimore had twelve drives trailing. The Bengals had one drive trailing, and they 
had possession time possession of two minutes and fourteen seconds compared to twenty four minutes and three seconds for Baltimore. You are going to win almost every single game in the NFL with that being the case, and especially against a team like Baltimore. That's an eye opener right there. That just shows how dominating of a performance this really was for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. Because Baltimore punted more times in the first quarter of this game than they did against the whole game against San Diego. Think about that. Yep. I mean, that is, I mean, that's incredible. And yeah, Baltimore's, I mean, three of their drives in the first, you know, in the first uh, half were punts. Three out of their five. The other one was a touchdown and a field goal. And that's it. Again, so you're leading 13 to 10 going into this game or going into half at this game. I mean, you've got to just feel – I mean, the Bengals just had to feel fantastic about themselves going into it. And then to really, you know, floor it like they did, you know, I got to give the, the team credit. You know, when they got down 17-13, they didn't give up. You know, instead they floored it and they let her buck. And they, they came away with a massive eye-opening – 41-17 victory. So, man, I tell you what, dude, this is so much fun to, you know, to talk about on a victory Monday. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I look forward to these every week, man. I think uh, let's keep it up and we can. Hey, let's doing. keep it going. Absolutely. Let's keep it going. Let's move on to the Jets. Absolutely. I'm ready, to, I'm, you got, I'm ready for next weekend already. You got that right. Well, with that being the case, let's wrap it up here. Um, as, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you check out. Uh, the website at www.iscincy.com. That is iscincy.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I am Chris Asbrock and at CincyZZ for Nick. You can also follow the Impact Sports Cincinnati Twitter at iscincy. And as always, for all your fitness needs, make sure you check out fnxfit.com. That is fnxfit.com. And for 15% off of your purchase, make sure you use the promo code BDiesel. So, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to have a podcast coming out to where I will be dis- uh, taking a look at the World Series, uh, which starts tomorrow night. If you're listening to this, uh, well, whenever you're listening to it, it starts Tuesday night as the Braves take on the Houston Astros. So, as always, thank you guys so much. And we will be back. Next week, it might just be myself or it might be Nick with me. Who knows? We'll see how we go. Uh, but, again, Nick, thank you so much, man, for uh, for joining me here today. And uh, let's keep doing this on these Victory Mondays, man. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care, everyone.